hey guys, good morning. My name is Ka'eo. What up this morning? I'm so glad to be hanging out with you guys. Okay, put your fingers up to tell me how many hours of sleep that you had last night. For those of you that put more than five, you are a blessing to your uh, counselors. Um, those of you who put less than five, uh, we still love you. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm glad you had a great time. No, seriously, first night of camp time, first night of outdoor is always the best time. And so I'm glad that you guys were able to have some fun and connect and just be able to have a blast. So we're going to be hanging out um, in uh, Daniel, still chapter one, but we're going to verse three. So turn there. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to look, we, um, we unpacked a lot of things last night. And so kudos to you, proud of you. Uh, you were better than my high schoolers down the hill for paying attention. So I'm stoked. Uh, but I promise that we will get through more than just two verses today, this morning. But if it shows you anything, it's that when we spend time in God's word, it requires us to be active and not passive. So that's what I want us to do this morning. I want to challenge us for this week and this morning that as we spend time in God's word, we're going to be active, not passive. Okay, deal? That means we're going to engage, all right? So what we're going to do right now is um, I'm just going to like summarize real quickly. Remember, we're looking at the life of Daniel as an example of how to live a, live a life that's as a resilient follower of Jesus in a world that's very hostile uh, to the things of God, just kind of like we saw in the video. And so we're finally going to be introduced to Daniel and his buddies, and we're going to see how Babylon demands Daniel and his friends to assimilate to a new culture, which is kind of what we saw in the video, which is really rad. Before we even get into God's word, we're going to pray. We're going to settle our souls. We're going to go ahead and be like, hey, God, like Ao said, we're going to be active and present, so let's kind of get there from our minds to our hearts to our souls, all right? So bow your heads, close your eyes, and then let's pray. Jesus, we Love you. And guys, pray right now that me, as me and my friends, just dive into your scriptures, dive into your word this morning, uh, that we would settle our souls, that we would uh, just let all distractions go aside, that we would fight for our relationship with you, we'd fight for our attention on you, God, and that we would be willing and, uh, Lord, open to what you have for us this morning. So uh, pray for me and my friends as we dive in, Lord, that you would uh, just keep our minds sharp, Lord. And uh, yeah, we love you. We probably sing your son's name. We said, Amen. Sweet. So, like, let's just get into it, all right? So, we're here. We're on verse 3. Let's keep going. So, verse 3, it goes, then the king commanded, how do you, how do you think you say his name? Ashpenaz. Yeah, say it with me. Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. What did he bring? The youths. Say youths. Youths. Without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Okay, so Babylon, all right? So before we even talk about what Babylon has in store for Daniel, I have to point this out. Okay, so in my, in my Bible, I underlined youths, okay? Um, look at verse 4. Who is spared and taken captives? The youths. When, I read, when I've read Daniel in the past, I don't know why. But I always thought that Daniel and his friends were like 20s or 30s. I was like, you know, that's like them. Because uh, in my mind, there's no way uh, me being very young be like, ah, that's like older people have faith like Daniel, not me. Like older people have so much understanding of God's word, not me. Um, but um, Daniel and his friends were roughly between the ages of 13 
uh, and 17, and scholars believe that Daniel was 15. All right, so not much older than us, not much older than me, honestly. Um, I'm only 14, so uh, it's kind of insane. And, um, but when you look at the life of Daniel, it would be amiss if we tuned it out because we felt like this was for later. This was lessons for later. Actually, Daniel models your today. And so as we continue reading, I fully believe that God wants to get a hold of your attention and show you uh, how he wants to use you now, not later. All right? Is that, that's some encouragement for some of you. Yes, thank you. Some of you are like, yes, Ayo, please, tell me more. All right, okay, so let's go to verse 5. All right? Verse 5. The king, now is this King Jesus? No. Who is this guy? Nebuchadnezzar. Great job. The king assigned them. Who's them? Daniel's buddies and all the other captives that they had, a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. How many years? At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king, kind of like how we saw towards the end of our video. Among these, here, this is where we meet them. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay? So, names can't be intimidating here, right? So, Say it with me, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Great job. These were of the tribe of Judah, Daniel and his buddies, okay? And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. So Daniel, so remember, the chief of the eunuchs, this is not some guy from Judah. This guy from where? Babylon. So he gives them new names, kind of like how we saw in the video. Daniel, he called, what do you think? Beltesh, what? Belteshazzar, right? This is Belteshazzar, all right? Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called yeah, Abednego, right? Okay, so Daniel and the crew, they're just going through it. It's tough. The Babylonians are drastically breaking them down and replacing their way of life, culture, and even their own identity. And it's not really subtle either. It's pretty like over the top, and it's over the course of three years, all right? The Babylonians made them learn their language, experience a cultural immersion program, and they were given new names. So, look, when you read that, you're like, okay, maybe that's not that bad. But for me, uh, okay, so we already know my name is Ka'eo. I'm originally from Hawaii. I was born there. And I never experienced uh, what it felt like to live in a different country until I moved from Hawaii to the mainland, which is what everyone in Hawaii calls the Continental 48. And in Hawaii, you would think, oh, yeah, it's, I say my name, and people get it like that. I say my name, everyone knows how to spell it. I go to Starbucks, they say, what's, what's the name on it? You say, Ka'eo, and they spell it out. And then when your drink is done, they go, Ka'eo, and I'm like, wow, it's cool, it's my name. At the age of 13, I moved from Hawaii to the middle of Oklahoma, oh. right? Can you believe it? What is happening? No idea. Um, there wasn't rice, and we eat a lot of rice. There was no spam. Um, we eat lost spam, um, which is just like poor man's steak. It's delicious. Uh, eat it fried. Don't eat it boiled or raw, which I don't know why anyone would do that. But eat it fried. It's way better. Um, and there was no Asian food in the country that we were in. Uh, sorry, what? In Oklahoma. And uh, it was just flat everywhere. It was insane. I, it was to the point where, and so just, you know, in Hawaii, the temperature is roughly like low 60s, roughly hot, like low 80s most of the time. Every now we have big fluctuations. So Oklahoma, it would be like, the morning was 40 degrees, the afternoon was 95, and by the time I left school, it was snowing, and then we're back home. 
I literally got sick because the weather couldn't make up its mind, okay? But there, I, every time, it would be like, you probably experienced this. Well, maybe not like for you specifically. Maybe. I don't want to judge your stories. But then my teachers would be like, you know, my last name is Yoshikawa, so it's towards the end, right? Uh, they, you know, they'll be like, I, remember, I specifically remember this example. It would be Blake Williams. <laughs> That's me. And then they're like, oh, so sorry, I would never try and pronounce it, da 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 It's just a lot of letters, you know? It's like, it's four. Um, and then they'll be like, what's your name? I'm like, it's K-A-O. They're like, cool, thanks. Okay, and then Corbin Ziegler. I was like, you can try with my last name, love that. And that would happen all the time, to the point where I thought my name was the pause. It got to the point where when people would say, hey, and they mean well. This is not me bashing on society. They mean well. When I say, when, when you meet new people, like, hey, what's your name? My name's Kay. Like, oh, gosh, I will never remember that. It's so hard. You know what you communicate to me in that moment? You will never remember me. Your name means a lot. It is a name that's been given to you. Your name is who you are. And it is something that you own, but everyone will, will, will use. You rarely call yourself in the third person. Like, uh, Ka'eo is walking on stage. <laughs> rarely do you do that. But everyone will say your name. And I remember, to, finally, I was like, you know what? My name is so difficult. It's tough. I remember telling my dad, being like, I don't belong here. Because back home, everyone knew my name, and everyone could say it. It got to the point where people would be like, uh, my teachers too. So, like, your name's, like, kind of hard. Can I call you, like, Kyle? K-Y-L-E? I'm sorry, what? It's, it's, we're just going to Americanize your name. So when I read stories like Daniel where his name gets changed, I, I, I can literally be like that. I know how that feels. And then to know that that went for a long period of time, I did not visit home again until um, 2019, so a few years back. And at this point, you know, my, at this point, we've played along. We've gotten used to it. I started at Starbucks. I say my name's the letter K because I don't want to deal with this whole exchange. Um, you're just going to say Kyle anyway, and then Kyle will steal my drink, okay? Um, <laughs> I've just learned how to live in a new country, despite the fact that I wasn't really born here, even though Hawaii is part of the United States of America. Yes, I understand. Um, and so when I moved, when we, sorry, when we moved back to uh, 2019, I'm married. My wife's like known that this has been a thing. And we get to Starbucks, and um, I say my name, and she just writes it. And I was like, wait, uh, you don't need to spell it. And then she gets done, she makes my drink, and she says my name. I remember looking, well, this is what, I looked at the receipt, and my name was spelled correctly, with the apostrophe and everything. I sat down, I started crying, my wife's like, what's wrong? I was like, my name is spelled correctly. <laughs> it's not just K-O, which is what most people write. And then the lady said my name, and it was almost like my mom was saying my name again. You ever have that moment when it's like, you had a really tough day, and your mom says your name? You're like, you know, like, I'm safe again. Oh, or maybe like someone who cares for you deeply, right? Maybe not all of us have great stories of our families, right? And I remember bawling, being like, oh, I'm at home again. And my wife being like, I have never realized how hard it's been. So then she was the proponent to be like, hey, when you say your name, you say it proudly, that your name is Ka'eo, so that way people know, right? And so that, when I read that, it, they, it wasn't just one day, it wasn't just one week, it was over time. Eventually, you start believing the lie that I'm no longer, I'm no longer Daniel. I'm no longer the Hebrew name. I'm no longer with God. I am 
Belteshazzar. Right? I am Kyle. I'm an American. I sing because my name is too hard. And then so I read that. I'm like, gosh, Daniel, that is hard. That's tough. And if it wasn't enough for that, they changed their diet. Right? And all these things are really tough. But what I want you to see is go to verse 8. Go to verse 8. Okay? Go to verse 8. It says, but Daniel, you there? Some of you aren't looking down. If you don't have your Bible, share with a friend. This part's important. If you're taking notes, you want to write in big capital letters, verse 8, return to, all right? Verse 8 is so good. Verse 8, it goes, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. The word, the word resolved here um, is, is, is just really important that it warrants us to take some time to unpack this. It has a picture of set in place, okay? It's unmovable. It's unwavering. It's already been decided, okay? It also means that it's been decided at a heart level, not just here. It's decided. He resolved here in his heart, Okay, Daniel decided at a heart level that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Now, if you're like me, listen really quickly. Let's just reset for a second. You're probably thinking, Daniel, it's not that deep. It's food. King's food, bro. Like, fancy stuff. Steak. Hello? Right? It's got to be delicious. And like I said, I would have had a bigger fight about my name, not my food. You know? Like, American food's still fine. You know, it's great. I still ate it. Um, But someone's diet back in the Old Testament time was often a cultural and spiritual marker. Oftentimes when people are like, hey, like when they see what you're eating, it's like, oh, you belong to the God of Yahweh. Oh, you belong to the God of of Shinar, right? Like what you ate mattered, okay? Daniel grew up following the laws of Moses and the law that God gave his people. And by following this law, the people of God were able to have a covenant relationship with him. This is specifically in Exodus 15, where God commands his people not to eat food and wine sacrificed to idols, the food from the king in this time would have certainly been from the sacrificial altars of the gods of the Babylonians. And thus, it would have gone directly against what the Lord had commanded of Daniel and his friends. And that would have broken a covenantal relationship with him. That's why even in the video, they were like, look, I don't want the king to come and, and be like, I don't know you. I don't recognize you. Okay? Daniel counted the costs and chose obedience to God rather than to the king. So one thing about resolve, I made a big deal. One thing about resolve is is it matters where and what your resolve is based on. If it's just, like, what's the foundation? If it's just based on yourself, listen, let's be honest, friends. You've ever been like, well, maybe it's just me. I'll just talk about myself. I don't need to talk about you. I'll talk about myself. There have been days when my wife's a CrossFit coach, too, and there have been days when she's like, hey, like, try and eat a little bit healthier. You ate a lot of Cain's chicken. Um, really needs you to, like, stop. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, fine. So then we're at, like, a dinner function with some friends. I'm like, wow, that's really good ice cream. I'm like, ice cream is like, please, I want more. And I was like, oh, ice- oh, and cookies. Oh, we make our own cookie sandwiches? I'm here for this, all right? And they're like, okay, oh, we even got you, like, you know, ampersand, which is, like, really, like, really good ice cream in Fresno. And I was like, no way. Oh, wow, you thought of me? Oh, I can't say no, you know? And my wife's like, no, the answer is no. And I was like, okay, yes, no, no. Walk around, hang out with some friends. I, all I see is people eating ice cream and cookie sandwiches. You know what ends up happening? 
I'm eating cookie sandwiches with him. My resolve was not in my heart. My resolve was on my own self-will, and my self-will is trash when it comes to ice cream, okay? And so it matters what your foundation of your resolve is in, okay? For Daniel, it was in the Lord. Daniel had this unshakable reverence for the Lord, which then produced unwavering and faithful obedience to him. Daniel trusted God, okay? Now, I, um, this resolve thing is huge for me. So um, I went to uh, Egypt, um, went to Cairo. So our church in Oklahoma, when I was there, I remember I was in the, uh, in the country. Um, and uh, that's actually where I first met the Lord. So in Hawaii, Jesus is one of many gods. He's not the God. He's not, he's not, we, it's not monotheism in Hawaii. We have a lot of gods everywhere. And some of it's traditional and some of it's cultural and some of it's just like historic. Um, so moving to Oklahoma, the Bible Belt of the United States of America, uh, it is actually a cultural thing if you don't go to church, I realized. Um, and so I got invited to church. Long story ends up being our, our senior pastor is a recent convert from Islam to Christianity. He has a big heart for his country. So when you turn 18, you have the opportunity to go to Egypt, go abroad, and be a part of the mission work there. And they have a church there in Cairo right now, and they're building a church in Alexandria. The, the population in Egypt for Christians is 1%. 1%. And really, it's, Cairo, it's like Coptic Christians, all right? So it's still a little bit more legalistic, probably a little bit more Catholic-based, a little bit orthodox sometimes. It's just all over the place, all right? And so I'm, when we, before we go, they tell us, hey, just so you know, there will be an op- they make it very kind. They're like, there will be an opportunity for you stand up for your faith is how they do it, right? You're like, okay, yeah, of course, right? In the Bible, it says, like, do not, like, uh, like do not essentially deny uh, me in front of people or I'll deny you in front of the Lord, right? And so it's like, yes, we'll do it. And over our trainings, our youth pastor every time says, hey, there'll be a time when someone will say, do you believe in Jesus? And what will your answer be? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's yes now. <laughs> it's yes now. Let me paint you what happened. We go to Egypt. There are tourism police. This is back in 2010, all right? Things have changed, but 2010. And there are tourism police. They stopped me and my friends and my youth pastor. There's four of us. This is hilarious. There's four of us. Uh, uh, a girl and three dudes and my youth pastor, uh, John Hickman, all right? We're there. We're on our way to Alexandria to do the youth camp. We're meeting with the, our, other, like, our other teams there. The tourist police stop us, and then they say, hey, uh, are you uh, Christians? Now, let me paint you the picture of the tourism police. They have rifles on them, okay? Like, rifles, like, ah, okay? I, I literally was like, I don't want to die, <laughs> is what I said to myself. And I looked at my youth pastor. We're against the wall at this point. They're like, hey, are you Christians? And uh, I was like, uh, oh, sorry. First they say, oh, oh, yeah, are you tourists? We say, yes, we're from America. Okay, Excellent. Uh, are you uh, Christians? This is when we're already against the wall. They have their rifles in front of them. I literally looked at my youth pastor, and I was like, you better say something because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And he looked at us with the nod of, this is what I, you know, you know you're, you know, they give you that nod like a, this is what I was talking about, you know? And he looks at me, and he goes, it essentially was communicated, this is what I'm talking about. And so I remember being like, oh, gosh, well, I don't want to be denied in heaven, and I don't want to die now. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> And you know what I said? I said, yeah, yeah, we're Christians. And they're like, okay. And so what they, what, what they do is, because we're Americans, they can send you to the U.S. Embassy. Um, and, and if so, that's what would happen. So what they say now is, oh, sorry, what they said then was like, okay, you need to go ahead and get a tattoo to mark yourself that you're a Christian. Uh, if you don't, we will take you to jail. I was like, okay, jail, not bad, we're not dying. 
But then my youth pastor said, if we go to jail, the U.S. Embassy has to get us out. That takes us three to four days away from going to the youth camp. That's the point. They don't necessarily want to kill you. They want to delay the work of Christians in Egypt. All right? And so my youth pastor said, we're getting the tattoo. I said, we're getting the tattoo. Yeah, take me to your cave church. We'll take the tattoo. And I was like, uh, my youth pastor was like, remember when I told you to talk to your parents about getting tattoos? I said, yeah, I was 18. I didn't understand why we're getting tattoos. What? This is the reason why. I want you to already make, have made the decision that if you were supposed to stand before people and say that you're a follower of Jesus, you already resolved it in your heart that you were going to do so. So, anytime people see it, this is a tattoo. Right here, on my wrist. And every time I see it, I remember the day that I stood against a wall and I told people who have other beliefs, who are threatening me, that yes, I believe in Jesus and I got this tattoo. Now, here's the thing. I don't think I would have done that if we didn't do the training beforehand. Seriously. I can, I said, I could, I literally being very similar to some of you guys in the training, it's like, absolutely, John, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we not? You know, of course we would. Remember when I said in that moment, I was like, I don't want to die. I had a second of like, I could just say, no, I'm just American. Yeah, God. Yeah, I don't know. Right? Like, oh, I like, I dabble in church. There were so many thoughts running through my head that that's what I wanted to do. Okay. So, friends, let me, and again, please hear me. That's not a story to be like, wow, okay, you're so cool. No, 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 no. That's a story of being like, hey, look at what the preparation led to that allows us to have a resolve on Christ and not ourselves. Like I said, if it was on me, my will sucks, all right? So let me give you a heads up. In your lives, if you don't already know this, like here's a cheat sheet, all right? You will face trials in difficult times. Just hello. Welcome to the world. That's your advance notice. I'm giving you a heads up already. What you're going to do is, uh, so my question is, what are you going to do? Have you already decided in your heart to choose obedience and dependence on God, or are you going to make a game time decision? One is based on the character of God, and the other is based on a a snap-based judgment on whether or not you feel like you and Jesus are close that day. Daniel chose not to partake in the food from the king, and then look at verse 9. Look at what the Lord does. The Lord responds, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. What I love about, hey, just really quickly, just like heads up. All throughout our time together, you're going to see how on a bad day, we could say, yeah, Daniel is the one that convinced the people to give them favor. God reminds us throughout the whole text that he's been instrumental. He's been the one working. He has been the one that's been present, okay, all throughout it. Never forget that, all right? So we're going to talk about that later. Okay, so Daniel, or God gives Daniel favor. I even tried to make Daniel the hero story already, right? God gave Daniel favor and compassion inside the chief of eunuchs. Now, here's what happens. We summarize it. You kind of saw it in the video. They do like a veggie diet for like 10 days. The one in charge of them is like deeply worried that they'll look scrawny compared to everyone else. I'm summarizing the rest of that. And they'll be put to death, even him as their overseer. That's why he got concerned. So 10 days later, Daniel's friends are like yoked, Okay. They are presented to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he promotes them uh, as his inner circle of advisors. And the te- bless you, um, Lord be with you. And the text says that they were ten times better than all the other magicians and wise men around the king. Okay, so how do we have a resolve like Daniel, where we don't feel the, fear the world, culture, even others, but rather fear God and put his trust in Him? How do we do that? Okay, well it starts. Say starts before we are in the middle of a difficult situation, 
Okay, I have a, I have a good friend, and uh, he's a football player, and I could never do that or whatever. I don't even know why he wants to be buddies with me. It's like I can't even throw a spiral. Um, but my friend reminds me all the time. He says, hey, when we face a challenge, we actually don't rise to the challenge. We fall to our training. And when he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm using that in a sermon someday in the future. It's incredible. Because everyone says, like, rise to the challenge, rise to the challenge. Like, you can do it. Rise to the challenge. You can do it. No, you fall to your training. You fall to your training. You fall to what you've always done. Faced with the whole, like, are you going to get a tattoo and say that you're a Christian? If I didn't have that training, I would have been like, <laughs> I don't know who they are. <laughs> I'm brown. They're all white. I'm what? <laughs> like, I, seriously, I, I'm being really honest. I know it's, like, funny, but I, I had so many reasons to be like, I'm not with them. You know? Like, I'm, I'm with you guys. <laughs> My Egyptian name is Kareem, right? Like, hello. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, which is really funny. I'll tell, you a, I'll tell you a story about how I ended up the Lord redeemed that. But okay, it goes through our training. So here we go. Write this down. What do we do? We root ourselves in the firm foundation. Just say root ourselves in firm foundation. Root ourselves in firm foundation. All right, that's what you're going to do. What is your firm foundation? Hello, it is in your hands. It's called God's word. All right? Now, don't cancel me about the name thing. I saw some of your faces. Uh, my, undergrad, my undergrad is in linguistics and Arabic. I ended up being a missionary for nonprofits headed to Egypt and the Middle East. So I can say Kareem because actually my Egyptian name is Kareem. So, um, but anyways, that's a story for another time. All right, so because Scripture says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, we see that God, cover to cover, in your Bible is all-powerful and trustworthy. He walks with us, okay? He's not against us. And look, this is not a suggestion from me, from your youth pastors, your parents, your friends, or even human in general, right? This is actually true. This is very practical, the Bible, all right? Look at what uh, you can't look, uh, but write this one down. Matthew. Say Matthew. Matthew, put M-A-T-T, you don't have time to write Matthew, M-A-T-T, number 7, colon, 24, dash, 27, M-A-T-T, dot, space, 7, colon, 24, dash, 27, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, I want you to look that up later, I'm going to read it to you, all right, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, is Jesus talking, all right, and acts on them, may he be compared to a wise man who's built his house on the rock, and when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, sounds like a story in nursery rhymes, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. It looks great on the outside. Foundation is what matters. One was built on rock, one was built on sand. Foundations, what matters? Say, foundations, what matters? Foundations, what matters? We root ourselves in a firm foundation. Our foundation matters. What's our foundation? God and his word. It roots us deep in his character. So when trials come, we can stand firm in the truth. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Look, look, I'm not, this transformation by spending time in God's word doesn't happen overnight. All right, remember, it is not a, it's not a, uh, we rise to a challenge in a moment, it's are we fall to our training. I have to ask you the question, how often are you in God's word? Okay, it's rhetorical. 
How often are you in God's word? I'm not trying to make this like some legalistic thing that you have to earn your salvation and earn your grace, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not it at all. I'm just saying, the God of the universe who says, look, I know life's going to be hard, but I have promises in the word, and I have stories of my character. So when things are tough and you don't know what to trust, I have proven it to you from the beginning of this cover until the end. I just need you to get in it so you can start believing it. Look, our job, my job is to help you believe 2% more that what's in here is true. God is already like, it's already true. But the problem is, is some, you can't believe something's true if you're actually not even in it anymore. Right? You have to get in this thing. I promise you God has stuff in there for you. You want to know how I know? I just told you two stories about how, look, I could have at any moment been like, no, not the Lord. His promises in there are what reminds me, right? Psalm, uh, oh, no, I'll save that one for later. <laughs> That's for tonight. Um, Daniel was able to have an unwavering and unmovable resolve because his foundation was in an unwavering and unmoving God. So as we close our time, I just want you to leave with this one question, all right? Just one question, just one. What gets in the way of you having a resolve like Daniel? What gets in the way? Okay? Close your eyes. Some of you are already there. Okay, you woke up. Now close your eyes again. Okay, close your eyes again. All right? And I just want you to take a moment. Hey, Lord, this is a prayer that Daniel even prayed, or Daniel, David even prayed, you know, in in his time. Hey, search me, oh God. Is there anything in my heart uh, that's getting in the way of you? So I just want you to take a moment. Hmm. And now let me pray for you, all right? So if your eyes are still open, remember, this was a trust place. We're asking you to close your eyes now, okay? Keep that trust going. Um, Let's pray. God, we love you. And I'm just so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for when the lies of the world that we live in is so loud, we don't know what to believe. Your word is right here for us. We just have to open it up. And so, God, I ask that you would just remind us that you're the hero of all of our stories. Um, And all we're doing when we share things that you've done in our lives is we're just bragging on you. So, Lord... Just all the glory goes to you for what you've done in our lives and have yet to do. So I pray for me and my friends as we take time just to really spend time thinking and, 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 and investigating our souls, Lord. I just ask that you would reveal the things that gets in the way of us trusting you and having a resolve like Daniel. And may we be encouraged to know that we're not alone in all of this. We love you. We probably sing your son's name. We said, amen.